Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your market view. Now, today we are going to bring you all the information you need to know about U.S. markets as we kickstart October. Now, earlier this week, U.S. markets started the month strong after the broad-based S&P 500 and tech-rich Nasdaq registered the first three-quarter losing streak since the global financial crisis. Now, with October widely seen as a bear market killer based on historically strong returns, we'll find out whether stock movements can keep up with the expectations. And joining me as we deep dive into key movements and projections for the U.S. economy, I have with me AJ Kaling, International Education Strategist at TD Ameritrade. Hi, AJ. Hi, how are you? Great. And how's things for you there? Very good. Thank you. Right. So, AJ, let's start with the broader U.S. markets. Uh, markets seems to be moving away from that brutal sell-off we saw in September. Some analysts, they were saying that that's driven by optimism in the U.S. over the state of foreign markets amid a rising dollar. What do you think is driving up that rally? Well, I like to always advise our clients that it is best to have exposure diversified across different markets. But as we've seen uh, this year and really for the past couple of years, the U.S. is the place to be. And I don't think that's changed. So with the strength of the U.S. dollar, that traditionally actually makes U.S. corporations selling their goods denominated in U.S. dollars uh, as more expensive. And so that shows headwinds for those companies. Um, I think we might start seeing that here in these earnings reports. Uh, but that strong U.S. dollar also makes other foreign markets outside of the U.S., less competitive. Uh, so, you know, the, the dollar has shown incredible strength this year, but we did see a sell-off recently. It's been kind of uh, giving up a little bit of ground these past couple of days. I don't know if we can attribute all of the past two days gains in the U.S. markets, you know, almost 5% of gains uh, to the declining U.S. dollar, the slight decline in U.S. dollar. I think it probably has a little more to do with, you know, we've seen a lot of overselling over the past couple of weeks, uh, a lot of weakness in the market. Um, you know, the end of the quarter could have been a lot of uh, investment strategists dumping some stocks that have been uh, performing poorly and reinvesting in some in some different uh, sectors and pivoting there. Uh, so it's, it is very convenient that it happened to land on the first two trading days of October, isn't it? You know, that we're seeing this October rally start off and it's the strongest two days we've seen in the past two years. Uh, so I think it's probably a combination of, of all those things, plus some some decent economic news that we've seen in terms of, you know, job reports that have come out over the past couple of days. All those things combined, investors were just looking for any kind of catalyst to start buying again. Right. And speaking of buying, do you think that markets are oversold at this point? I understand you briefly touched on that earlier. And if markets are oversold, can we expect pockets of bargain buying in October? Which sectors should we be looking at for bargain buys? I, I think definitely oversold is a proper uh, term to use right now. Right. S&P 500 was down 25%, NASDAQ down around 30% uh, as of last Friday. Of course, that's changed the past uh, few days there. Uh, but you know, I think it's really just if you if you step back, I think this correction was necessary from the lows of the pandemic up until the end of 2022. You know, we experienced a 110 percent market rally. That's not normal. Right. Those types of rallies don't happen. And so we were actually due for some overcorrecting. And I know it's been a tough year uh, for everyone. Of course, uh, most of our clients uh, are, are long stockholders. And so it's been tough, but it's an opportunity to buy the dip. Very difficult strategy, though. 
Um, and, you know, history provides no guarantees. Uh, but, you know, what Warren Buffett says, be greedy when others are fearful. You know, buying stocks when they're down this big mm. tends to lead to positive returns. But it all comes down to the investor's time horizon. Are you right. trying to get out of the markets in, a, in a, a week or a month or a couple of years? That all matters when you're deciding if now is the right time to get in or not. I wouldn't be surprised if we still see some choppiness the rest of this month. Two days a trend does not make. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about economic data coming out of the US. We had that job openings and labor turnover survey out last night. What does it say about the state of the US economy? What does it mean for the Fed when considering its next monetary policy move? Yeah, well, it's it's, um, it's interesting. We are in the phase of uh, bad news is good news. I think we're that. We haven't pivoted back to bad news is bad news yet. Uh, but yes, the, the jolts number came out and there were 1 million less job openings uh, in the past month uh, than previously. Obviously, you'd think that's not a good thing. The markets actually were craving that, right? They, they right. needed some sign that the Fed's efforts to tame inflation was actually working. Um, and, and it's going to take some time, of course. We started hiking you know, a, a while ago, earlier this year, hiking interest rates, um, and we were looking for inflation to start cooling off. Maybe crude oil, which has sold off 30% since, since this summer, would help cool off inflation, but it hasn't yet. And this was actually the first sign that we did see of uh, the economy maybe slowing down. There was also another aspect of that jolts figure was the uh, the quit rate, which was 2.7%, which is still elevated at this point, meaning uh, people are quitting more than they were recently. It was lower around 2% prior uh, to, to, the, to, to the pandemic, but it's dropped a little bit and that means that people aren't as confident that they will find another job. So the quit rate is starting to slow down. So those two things combined, again, could have explained the rally that we've seen uh, the past two days. Again, it's, it's, it's the investors in the market kind of voting with, uh, with their moves, saying, like, we mm. think this is a sign of things to come. The Fed's efforts to orchestrate a soft landing might be starting to show fruits of the labor. And talking about some optimism over that not so good jobs data showing that signs that inflation might have cooled off and also talking about oversold conditions right now where do you see markets moving for the rest of this month choppy there's nothing that right. i've seen this year to make me think otherwise uh mm. you know uh we've seen uh short rallies followed quickly by by corrections here so Listen, if you're an active trader, this is great for traders, traders who love to sell volatility. This is what they're looking for. This is what they live for. It's a little bit more frustrating for us investors. Uh, exactly. I'm speaking, of course, to, to the buyers and holders here. You know, if you're a buy and hold person, maybe even a dollar cost averaging person, this month will likely be more of the same that we have seen uh, for this in, entire year. I mean, you know, because this month, of course, we're going to see earnings reports coming out uh, for the previous quarter. Uh, from the very little bit of kind of uh, preview that we've seen, Nike, for instance, is a good one because they report on an off schedule. They released last uh, week their quarterly reports and they warned about oversupply. So, uh, you know, th there's going to be some companies maybe in the energy sector, who will benefit from this uh, th this choppiness, uh, maybe some consumer staples because there's talks of recession coming on. But then there's going to be other you know, consumer um, uh, uh, discretionary stocks 
that could be having issues here. Inflation is going to play a big role with their big inventory. Obviously, that inventory uh, is not worth as much as it used to be with with inflation rising, and mm-hmm. it's going to lead to steep discounts. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to AJ Kaling, International Education Strategist at uh, TD Ameritrade. And uh, AJ, I would like to turn our attention to look at some corporate moves. Now, I was going to ask about Elon Musk having a humanoid robot prototype and also talking about uh, suggesting Crimea be part of Russia. But uh, earlier last night, we know that Elon Musk is going to buy Twitter. Reports suggest that. So tell us, uh, to what extent do you think this would weigh on the stock of Twitter and Tesla as well? I mean, first of all, is Elon Musk the most polarizing person in business today? I, I can't think of any figure more polarizing. Uh, he, the guy makes trading his stocks incredibly difficult. You know what I mean? Because, right. you know, every time you turn around, there is a new tweet coming out from him. Um, you know, like I said, so so Tesla and Twitter uh, are, are difficult ones to kind of gauge what's going to happen because you never know what he's going to say. And he seems invincible from the regulators. So, uh, you know, he makes it difficult. I don't think really his his uh, controversial tweets make an impact onto his stocks. Of course, when he comes out and says like, yes, I'm going to follow through with my purchase of Twitter, which by the way, is he really going to do that? You know, he already said he's going to do it. Then he backed away and now he's saying it's going to happen again. I wouldn't be surprised if there's still some more chapters to play out in this saga here. I I think really the data is what's really going to drive these stocks going forward. And we saw Tesla showing weakness recently, all due to vehicle delivery uh, data that came out. I think they... Uh, delivered 340,000 vehicles last quarter when 360,000 were uh, estimated by analysts. Um, And I think that the important thing here, because we want to take out this information and kind of see if we can extrapolate it and make it mean something for the broader markets, it didn't have anything to do with demand. For Tesla, it wasn't a demand issue. It was supply chain issues. They just couldn't pump out enough cars to meet that demand. Uh, but they're still better uh, positioned uh, than, than their peers, perhaps. I mean, you look at some of those other electric car companies, um, uh, Neo, uh, Lee, for instance, they're still in the five digit per quarter car deliveries, nowhere near touching uh, Elena Musk in, in in uh, Tesla. Um, but you know, th- they're, they're not out of the woods yet. Of course, there's still competition from, from the big guys. For instance, Ford just announced that their lightning SUV truck, uh, had huge increase in sales, uh, 18% over the quarter. So you, you look around at, at Tesla, they're still the big EV mm-hmm. name on the block, but they're, mm-hmm. there's, there's still competition out there too. I see. And in the meantime, AJ, investors keep their eyes peeled on the latest earnings season. Some say this is going to be very critical to see how firms are growing amid a high interest rate environment. What do you think and which companies are on your shopping list? You know, like this this is the the one I say about, you know, having companies on your shopping list is important. What's on my list or what's your investment time horizon? Uh, You know, I was looking at at a stock called Roku, which is a, a, you know, a digital media player. Um, if you bought that stock three years ago this week, you paid $100 per share for it. And now it's worth a little over $60 per share. But in the meantime, it shot up to $290 a share over the past year or so. Uh, but if you bought it five years ago, you're paying much less than $100 per share and probably sitting on a nice profit. But it, so again, it comes down to what you think is going to happen in the near term or the long term, whatever your time horizon is. Uh, what we've kind of been seeing is people more positioned with some of those defensive sectors. You know, if we do indeed have a recession, and by all accounts and measures, we are 
heading towards a recession. Typically, the two-year, 10-year yield, if it inverts, a recession follows in 12 to 18 months. It's been inverted since July. Uh, if we have two quarters of slower GDP, that's the technical definition of a recession. We've experienced that already. So the point is, you know, whether we're going to happen have a recession soon or we're going to have a recession full of jobs, we want to position ourselves with maybe some defensive stocks. Stocks like uh, Pepsi, Kimberly Clark, and Target have all performed differently this year, down 5%, 20%, and 34% respectively. Uh, but they all are kind of necessity stocks, stocks that people will probably, uh, or products that people will probably still be buying, even if there's a, a, a recession. Um, you know, Microsoft uh, revenue is still growing, but at slowest pace since 2020. They believe the strong dollar will shave off five percentage points off the revenue growth this quarter. So some of the tech stocks out there, like Meta and, and Alphabet, warned about the digital ad market um, mm. and, and surging inflation causing a slowdown in those ad uh, in the ad spending space here. So you know the IT stocks, I'm not saying anything new here. Those have struggled in the past year or so because of inflation, because of that high dollar. And some of those other stocks on the defensive stocks have been a little bit better performing. Right. And AJ, finally, very quickly before we let you go, I understand you also have a Singapore Investor Movement Index, which provides some insights into what Singapore TD Ameritrade clients are buying in the US. What are some key trends and how are Singapore investors positioned in the markets? I think the key takeaway with the Investor Movement Index that we noticed was that we can compare it to the Singapore client base versus the regular US population client base and kind of contrast how they differentiate. And the key takeaway, again, that I, that I took from this was that the regular U.S. Uh, TD Ameritrade population were net buyers in the month of August, uh, where Singapore clients were overall flat. They didn't add any exposure in the month of August, maybe anticipating a slowdown in the month of, mm. of September here. We're going to get September data here pretty soon in a couple of days here. But the, the August numbers show that Singapore investors were kind of positioning themselves as a rotating trading base, less so than the U.S., which was piling on exposure. Some of the stocks that uh, Singapore clients bought were Alphabet, Intel, and Tesla. Uh, and the sales were Neo, Alibaba, uh, and Moderna. So, you know, kind of dumping some of those Chinese stocks, whether it's, you know, regulatory concern or just, you know, US-China trade relations and buying up some of those tech stocks. And of course, uh, everyone's favorite Elon Musk's Tesla was a popular buy for our Singapore client base. Right. Thank you very much, AJ. That was AJ Kaling, International Education Strategist at uh, TD Ameritrade. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.